Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And you know, when you think about even in our modern culture, you know, you consider what human trafficking is. Human trafficking is stealing a person or persons and selling them to others for sexual fulfillment. That's what's happening here in Rochester. It's what's happening in every city. There's all these different people. And God says those people who are responsible should be put to death in this culture. I mean, in the, in the culture of, of this time that we're speaking of. How can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say? Thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ. Pastor Rob continues in chapter 24 of the book of Deuteronomy today with more of God's diversified laws. Again, we see the importance of these explanations and how they are synonymous with laws we have in our society today. However, the consequences of violating these laws today are grossly diminished. Although God loves us but hates the sins we engage in, There will be a day when we all have to answer to our God. That's why it's important to surrender to our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says, today is the day of salvation. Here's Pastor Rob with today's message. They they fashioned stones and trees in the likeness of these idols, and they worshiped them, committing the spiritual adultery. And God says, I write you a bill of divorce because I've I've talked to you about this several times. I've sent the prophets, rising early, often I send them to you, and you did not repent from this adultery. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah has not turned to me with her whole heart, but in pretense. They just fake it. Lip service. So adultery, divorce, these things are ugly. They're horrible things. In verse 5, let's go back to Deuteronomy 24. Verse 5, it says, When a, a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war or be charged with any business. I say amen to that. Is it retroactive? Can I go back and, and now take a year off? I Actually, I wouldn't want to take a year off from this, but I, I, don't, I guess that really wouldn't work now, would it? But... Uh, that's okay. But he's supposed to not go out to war, neither shall he be charged with any business, but he shall be free at home for one year, and he shall cheer up his wife, which he has taken. That's what it says in the King James. Cheer up his wife. And you know, I, I like that. Uh, I mean, obviously in the, in the New King James, it says he shall be a free at home one year and bring happiness to his wife whom he has taken. I, I kind of laugh when I see that, you know. It's like, it makes you wonder if, if now that she's married this guy, she's like, oh, and he's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta be about cheering her up now. Really, I am that good. I really am that, you know, that, that guy that you married. I really am that guy that, you know, before when I was, you know, standing, uh, there in the, in the, in the display case. I really am that guy. And he's gotta cheer her up. He's gotta, you know, make her happy. 
I think that's funny because it's not the other way around. It's always the guy, you know. He's the one who's got to cheer his wife up because she probably realized, wow, he's really not all that. You know, he spoke a good game before the ring, but now after the ring, he's somewhat tarnished and no longer brings chocolates, no longer spouting sonnets, no longer spontaneous poems, you know, at night before bed. But I love this provision in the law because it allowed a newlywed couple to get to know one another. And what, I wonder how, what a blessing that would be for some people today. You know, if for somehow, you know, families, I think families could do it if they chose to do it. I think that would be the greatest thing. Probably one of the best investments that could ever be made is to allow a newlywed couple just to be free from distraction for a year. And their parents would take them in. They would do whatever they got to do to give them that freedom. That way they can start a family. They can get their head around getting to know each other. They can spend time, you know, walking out to Genesee Park and, you know, cruising along the thing on their bikes and, you know, and just making their parents jealous. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, but just getting to know one another and really getting to know each other. What a blessing that would be. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great to give to somebody, you know, if you had the money? But in this culture, everybody lived together. They live very close together, so I suppose they could do that. We could do it today, but I don't know that people would do it. But it's a really good thought, though, because you see the benefit of it. It would certainly encourage this new couple. But then he goes on and he says... Nor shall any take the lower or the upper millstone for a pledge, for he takes one's living in a pledge. And the idea of a pledge is to, to bind, and it's like collateral is really what it is. So, you know, you've seen the, the millstone in Capernaum. If you've ever, you ever been to Israel, one of the things that you will see when you go there is this huge mill uh, uh, olive press, and it's a great big round thing like this, and then there's a smaller round thing that rolls around in it, and they'd put grapes or grain or whatever in there, and they'd roll that thing around or have a mule, tie a mule around it, and just crush that wheat or crush those grapes, and that's the idea. So you're not going to, you know, that's what they need for their living. So you're not going to take, uh, if you lend them something, you know, you're not going to take something like that as collateral because that's their living. That's what they use for a living. No more than you would take, you know, uh, the livelihood of a, of a carpenter. You know, he has all these tools that he uses every day. You know, he has the saws and the hammers and all these other things. You know, if he owes somebody something, that person is not going to take for collateral or, or, or take a pledge from him and say, you know what, from Monday through Friday, from 8, 8 a.m. until 5 p.m., I'm going to take all your tool. You take all your tools, that big you know, craftsman uh, thing with all the tools on it. You open up the drawers, you know, and all those shiny snap-on tools. I'm going to roll that into my house. <laughs> and then I'll bring it back at, at night, you know, around 6 o'clock. I'll bring it back. God is saying, don't do any of that. You know, don't take a pledge on, on, on something that, uh, that a man needs for his living. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Because the whole idea of lending to somebody is a heart of compassion, you're lending because they have a need. Why would you take a, a pledge from them on something that's significant in their life that they need? Such as a millstone that they would need for their food or, or tools from a carpenter that he needs to work to earn his living. You want to get him out of a hole. You don't want to create another one, right? That's what compassion is. And he goes on in verse 7, If a man is found kidnapping any of his brethren of the children of Israel and mistreats him, notice, or sells him, then that kidnapper shall die, and you shall put away the evil from among you. And literally, kidnapping is exactly that. You're stealing somebody, you're getting them by stealth, and you're keeping them. And the idea of selling in that verse is, is that as well. It's, it's, you're, it, you're, you're selling them as merchandise. And you know, when you think about even in our modern culture, 
you know, you consider what human trafficking is. Human trafficking is stealing a person or persons and selling them to others for sexual fulfillment. That's what's happening here in Rochester. It's what's happening in every city. There's all these different people, and God says those people who are responsible should be put to death in this culture. I mean, in the, in the culture of, of this time that we're speaking of. And I thought to myself, and again, I don't mean to be harsh or anything like that, but I wonder how different things would be. Because in our culture, in our day and age, if a man gets caught doing this thing, a ringleader, he spends uh, some time in prison, and he gets out. Probably doesn't learn a single thing. I wonder what would happen if our justice system revamped itself and said, you know what? If you do that, and we'll tell you in advance, if you guys do this, this is what's going to happen, capital punishment. I wonder how many times that would have to be meted out before people would say, don't think I'm going to take the chance in doing that. There is a consequence for sin, but not in America. We can do anything we want. You can murder somebody, and on good behavior, maybe only do 10 years or less. Or if the the police officer didn't read you the Miranda warning before you got put into the patrol car, you're lawyer can get you off scot-free. Well, he wasn't read his rights. Well, what about the rights of the person he slaughtered? I don't want to talk about that, but he didn't read him his Miranda warning, so he gets off the hook? Are you kidding me? Anyway, forgive me. Let's move on. (laughs) I grew up in a law enforcement family, so all these things are just under the hood, you know, and they've got to be careful. So verse 8, Take heed in an outbreak of leprosy, that you carefully observe and do according to all notice that the priests, the Levites, shall teach you. Command them, or just as I commanded them, so you shall be careful to do. You know, uh, leprosy is, the bacteria is mycobacterium leprae. It it is the the virus, actually, that causes leprosy. And we know that it's it's an infection that this bacteria causes, and it affects the skin, the nose, the peripheral nerves, and and the nerves in your hands, usually the extremities of the body, the nose, the ears, the feet, the hands, all those things it attacks first. That's why lepers, the first thing to, sorry to be graphic, but the things that decay and fall off because there's no blood flow to them are the extremities, the parts of their nose or their ears or their toes or their fingers. And back in the the days uh, that we're speaking of, Leprosy was 100% fatal. There was no cure to it unless God healed, unless God healed. Today, it's curable with steroids and antibiotics. It's, it's called Hansen's disease. And the Bible always calls it a type of sin. Leprosy is a type of sin because it starts right under the skin, and it can be laid dormant in there until such a time that it manifests itself. And sin is like that. You know, leprosy, if you've ever seen a picture of a person, they got warts and welts on the top of their skin, and it affects their nerves and their fingers, and it cuts off the blood flow, and the parts of them get black and start to decay, and they become brittle. And sin is like that. It, it, It lies dormant underneath, and nobody can see it but God. In Leviticus 13 and 14, you can read that on your own. It really goes into great detail on how a leprous a person was to be cleansed and to be monitored. We're not going to go into that tonight. And I would encourage you also to look at 2 Kings chapter 5 because it speaks of a, of a Syrian commander who went to go see Elisha, if you remember, because he had leprosy, and God healed him. He says, just go dip in the Jordan. The guy comes all this distance, <laughs> comes to Elisha. Elisha says, uh... He even tells his servant to tell him. He doesn't even come out. He just says, tell uh, Gehazi, go tell uh, Naaman uh, just to dip himself 
in the um, Jordan River seven times, he'll be healed. And the commander's like, are you kidding? I come all this way. I'm expecting some kind of little voodoo dance. I'm expecting some kind of chicken bones thrown on the fire or some kind of poof, some kind of, some kind of thing. I want something. I want some action. I want to see some fireworks. I want to feel something like something's like you're doing something. Well, I did. I told you to go do it. You know, just the word of God says to go and do this. Oh, I, oh fine. And he's healed. <laughs> He, he just simply obeys, and it's a wonderful thing. I love it. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus, when he had come down from the mountain, he says, Great multitudes followed him, and behold, a leper came, worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, I love that, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus put out his hand and touched him. Would you touch a leper? Jesus touched a leper, and he said to him, I am willing. Be cleansed. See that you tell no one. What? You don't, you don't want me to go tell uh, the news people? They're, they're, big story could happen. You could really be famous. You could write a book, and you could get a record deal. I know you can't sing, but we can have somebody sing, and you just lip-sync it. You'll make millions. You'd be viral on YouTube. No, Jesus says, no, don't tell anybody. Just, it's just between you and me. Don't you love that about God? He's the only one who can say, I, I'm going to heal you, but just keep it quiet, just between you and me. Because he's not about puffing himself up. He's God. He created everything. To me, that's the biggest ego trip there is. What's on your resume? Well, I spoke everything into existence. What have you done? (laughs) Love it. That is why the religious leaders, they wanted to kill Jesus because of envy. They hated him because no one had been cured of leprosy up to this moment. And Jesus now is healing these people. In verse 9, it says, Remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam on the way when you came out of Egypt. And and Numbers chapter 12 tells us exactly what happened. And and, uh, again, um, why don't you go ahead and turn with me to Numbers 12. We're going to take communion here in a few minutes. We're going to have to stop here in a few moments. We're going to have to finish this chapter uh, again and go on to chapter 25 next week. Good stuff, though, isn't it? I just love the Word of God. But notice what happened, uh, you know, concerning leprosy, what God did to Miriam. Again, they had just come out of Egypt, and, you know, they'd gotten into the desert, and they'd probably only been in the desert for a year or less, maybe a little bit more, but not much. And it says in Numbers 12, it says in Miriam, notice, notice the order here, because God puts these things in order. The Spirit of God puts these things in order on purpose. It doesn't say in Aaron and Miriam, but it says in Miriam. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. Now Moses, or I'm sorry, Aaron wasn't, he was complicit in the whole thing, so he's equally as guilty. It says, then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, whom Moses had married, because remember his wife had, had died, and now he, he married this Ethiopian woman. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Remember, Moses was the youngest of the two, of the, of the three siblings. You know, there was Aaron and there was uh, Miriam and Moses. Moses was the, the younger one of the three. So now you got these two older siblings thinking, well, we've got a piece of this action too. You know, it's not just about you. I mean, you can almost see it's almost like David and his older brothers looking down with disdain a little bit on David because of his young, you know, his, his, his young life and looking down upon him. But Miriam and, and Aaron says, uh, 
Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, then more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. At that point, I think I'd be calling my lawyer, uh, or, or at least shaking in my boots. Uh, there's no lawyer that's going to get you off on this one. So the three came out. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. And, and can, you, can you just hear the key? of uh, you know Because the band is playing in the background, and all of a sudden there was a major chord, and everything sounded bright and beautiful, and now the mood changes and the minor chords come flooding in, and then they step forward. What are you going to do? <laughs> I'd be a little worried. So the three came out, and they both went forward. And then he said, "Hear now my words." And here God speaks. If there was a prophet, or he says, "If there is a prophet among you, the Lord I will make known myself to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream, but not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then?" Were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. Notice, you know, God could have done any number of things to make an example, but he, he was gracious, you know. Um, we're going to see that, you know, there was some consequences still. The anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. Verse 10, And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous as white as snow. And then Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper. So Aaron said to Moses, O oh my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us. Notice, you know, um, on us, he includes himself, in which we have done foolishly and in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, Please heal her, O God, I pray. And notice a compassionate God. <laughs> Um, then the Lord said to Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, would she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days. And this is what they did for lepers as well, so this is not something unusual. And afterwards she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. And afterward the people moved from Hazaroth, and camped in the wilderness of Paran. But notice that this sin, and we're going to stop here and take communion, but notice it was this complaining, this heart of Miriam and Aaron. Just under the surface, there was this um, jealousy and this envy against their younger brother. Because God was speaking to him on the mountain. Well, why not us? And it's very normal, and it's very natural. It's very human, but it's also very sinful. But that's just the way it is, right? And you can, you can put yourself in, the, in their shoes and, and, and see why they might get bitter. You know, every, I mean, they're part of the family. You know, I mean, Miriam wasn't in, uh, you know, I mean, think of this wonderful gal. I mean, they come across the Red Sea, and she leads the nation in a song of worship. You know, it wasn't like she was a nobody. She was a prophetess. She prophesied when they came through the, the Red Sea and they came to the other side. And, and the song is recorded for us in, in Exodus. And Aaron, the high priest, 
You know, I mean, what greater honor other than, you know, being the one like Moses who God was speaking to face to face, not like every other prophet from then on out where he was speaking to him in, in visions and dreams. He spoke to him face to face. I mean, can you imagine that? And yet underneath the surface, there was these discontented, angry people. Jealous and envious of what their younger brother, the position, the, the grace that God had given to him. And it doesn't mean that he was any different than them. They were all cut of the same cloth. They were all the same molecules. God just had a different plan. He's got a, he's got a vocation for each one of us. You know, and, and, and all together we make up the body of Christ. And so it is here. But it doesn't, but we also see the, you know, our hearts left unchecked. We, we get bitter, we get jealous, we get envious. And right under the surface, and just like leprosy, you know, God allowed the leprosy to come forth as, as a type, even. And, of course, they pray for her, and she is healed. I love what Jesus said in Mark chapter 7. He says, what, what comes out of a man, that is what defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within, and they defile the man. And, and that's, that's really what was going on in Miriam and Aaron's heart. They were just filled with that, and God had to expose it. And notice that they both lived. Notice that they learned a lesson. Notice that God chastened them both. And, and he chastened Miriam, you know, even with leprosy, but he healed her. When as of yet, there was no cure for leprosy. How great is God? You know, he chastens those whom he loves. And I, I bet if you were to talk to them afterwards, that they, they, that thing was no longer in them. They were like, you know what? We understand where God has placed us, and we're content being in there, in that place. It's a good place to be, to be content where God has placed you. If you find yourself discontent and angry about your situation, really just examine it and, and be in prayer. Get on your knees and say, Lord, help me to understand. Give me a heart at the very least, Lord, to not complain and to, to try to understand what's going on. Because there's a bigger picture here that I'm missing. Because if I knew the bigger picture maybe I would feel a little bit better. And God is not obliged and obligated to tell you the bigger picture at the time, but he'll give you the grace and be with you in it and through it. And then later, as you look back on your life and that incident, you're going to see, wow, you know, I didn't realize that there were people looking at my life from afar, and I didn't even know it. And then two or three years down the road, you bump into somebody at Wegmans, and they're like, you remember when that happened to you and you went through that hardship? Well, I've got to be honest with you. When I saw you go through that and how you were dealing with it and how God was ministering to you and you didn't walk around with a mopey face, it changed my life. I went to church because I'm like, whoever this God is that you're serving, I've got to know more about and I got wonderfully saved. <laughs> you know, I mean, think of that. Your difficulties God can turn into gems and he can turn them into trophies that he can display and and certainly the fruit of those things can be evident in other people's lives. Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but redeeming the time for the days are evil. Isn't that what it says in the Bible? Well, just as if uh, Sarah could come up, and I, I'm sorry we're a little bit late tonight. But, you know, as we consider, you know, here Miriam was leprous. She was white as snow. I mean, it just broke out on her in full-blown. Can you imagine that in an instant? She just... You know, her whole arms, her face, 
She just broke out in this thing. And, and you think about, as we take communion tonight, you know, it says in Isaiah, though your sins are as scarlet, I've made you white. I've made, your, I've made you white through the blood. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.